Chapter 47 Isana Sivabattar His audience with Princess Kundavai at an end Alvar Kadian made his way from her royal residence towards that of his elder brother Isana Sivabattar situated in close vicinity of the Vadametrali Shiva temple approximately half a kadam away It is said that a good deal of Palayare splendor its dimensions and general magnificence could be glimpsed on the journey from the palaces to the temple The Krishna Jayanti celebrations had almost come to an end, Alvar Kadian noticed. Even more surprising were the sights he witnessed as he strolled past homes in residential areas. Women had gathered in little knots and seemed embroiled in furious discussion. Each had garlanded a much-beloved son or husband with vanji flowers, wishing him victory in the Eram battlefield. Certainly, every family claimed at least one courageous casualty in the numerous wars waged by the Choras in all four directions. Theirs were the families now shrouded in gloom, the women murmuring and muttering their woes in furious, dissatisfied tones. How was all this going to end? Tirumalayappan continued to walk, concerned. Darkness had fallen by the time he had reached the temple. This indeed was the celebrated shrine Appar had glorified in his songs. In his time, it had been surrounded by man-made hills riddled with caves and catacombs constructed with painstaking care for the benefit of Digambara Jain monks who conducted penances. Today, there still exists a village in Padayare's vicinity called Murayur to remind us of them. Such murais or caves had risen high and completely concealed the Vadametrali temple within when Appar arrived for a visit. Having heard a great deal about Padayari's many spiritual merits, the sight of the shrine overwhelmed by Jain catacombs was enough to dismay the saint who had divined with his superior powers its existence. He made a plea at once to the then Pallava representative ruling the city who took swift action by destroying a few of the caves thus revealing the shrine again to the public ecstatic upper sang at once in praise of shiva perman chora kings ascended the throne later took pains to renovate the simple shrine into stone thus adding to its magnificence and yet the surrounding caves remained almost like a thick madil contrary to the rule of four entrances to a temple this one boasted of only one underneath its gopuram The easiest route to Isana Sivabattar's home was through the temple's main entrance and across its precincts. The alternative was a circuitous one that consumed a good deal of time. Thus, Alvar Kadian stepping into the temple on his way to his brother's home. He glimpsed at a few devotees at the sanctum. Much to his surprise, they seemed to be members of the theater troupe from earlier that day, colorfully costumed as Krishna and Balaraman. Ha! Alvar Kadian thought to himself, Now how did these people end up here of all places Isana Sivabattar hastened out of the sanctum even before Tirumalai could complete his ruminations grabbed his brother who had barely stepped into the temple's threshold by the hands and almost dragged him outside Why Anna what is this You wish to know do you I shall tell you Tirumalai and in such clear terms that they will permeate even your very thick skull I have decided henceforth that our relationship is confined to the exterior of this temple. You my fellow are a blaspheming godless heathen. You who hate Shiva Perman with all your soul and do not hesitate to display your deplorable feelings for all to see. Your endless sivan indane means that you do not deserve to set foot within a Shiva temple. I have been patient far too long Tirumalai. 
but I could not bear it any longer. Not after your despicable speech in the great queen's presence. You are welcome to haunt my home and fill your disgustingly large stomach if you wish, but not a foot will you set inside this sacred temple. Disobey and I shall transform into the wrathful Sandeshwaran Ayanar himself. But, but Anna, Anna! Isana Sivabattar caught his beloved brother by the scruff of his neck and practically towed him out, seemingly in a towering rage. None of Tirumalai's pleas moved him. And before his distraught younger brother could go any further, he had stalked back in and banged the huge door shut, drawing the bolt securely. So, that's how it is, is it? Alvar Kadian loitered in front of the temple for a while, mumbling to himself. Then he circled the whole precinct, Jain caves and all, two or three times, taking care to go left instead of right. To do so the other way around might end in a proper pradakshinam or a salutary circumambulation to the much-hated Sivan within, which the fierce Vaishnavite could not countenance at any cost. His painstaking observation did reveal something to him. Every one of the man-made caves was closed. Later, he made his way to his brother's home where he was made heartily welcome by the good butter's wife, who relished Tirumalai's witticisms a great deal. Alvar Kadyan did not disappoint. Today, he was at his sarcastic best, regaling her with thrilling accounts and jokes and took care to eat the butter and wife out of house and home. His gargantuan stomach finally filled and bursting at the seams with prasadam from the Siman temple, Tirumalai belched, waddled to the Tinnai and sprawled upon it. Somewhere between sleep and wakefulness, his mind wandered over the happenings of the previous day and lit upon one particular event. Tirumalai was ambling along the banks of river Kudamurutti when his ears were assaulted by the thundering of horse hooves on the opposite side. Quick to think on his feet, he slunk behind a thicket of luxurious bamboo trees. A horse careened on the shore first, seemingly without direction, it seemed drenched from sweat or having swum across the river. Tirumalai could not guess. A young man, almost a boy, was bound to it. He looked frankly terrified. But underneath was a streak of determination as well. Four or five horses galloped up behind him, all bearing soldiers armed with spears. They were nearing the runaway steed with every moment. One of the men rose from his perch, his spear held aloft as if to throw it, but his cohort leaned over and stopped him. The boy's steed passed under a thick cluster of bamboo trees at that moment. One of the slender branches, already dropping towards the ground, tangled in the youngster's tresses. The horse strained to move forward. The branch yanked at the rider's hair. Just as Tirumalai shuddered at the latter's fate, his pursuers galloped up and surrounded him. They took one look at his youthful pale features and appeared overcome by surprise and dismay. Pelted with their sharp questions, their quarry stammered and stuttered his replies, none of which were very audible to Arvar Kadian. Where is he? Where? was the question repeated often, to which the boy sobbed and heaved pitifully. He's gone. He's gone. The waters took him. The floods swept him away. The men soon trussed him up, secured his horse and marched both along the banks. None of this had made much sense to Arvar Kadian at that time, but now they seemed, finally, to reveal some of their significance. 
in the midst of all this intruded the memory of the balaraman and krishna theater troupe he had stumbled upon that day in particular the man donning the costume of kamsan his face veiled by a wooden mask something about his body language and speech had seemed vaguely familiar now now he could see glimmerings of light about the identity of the so called actor the first thing isanasiva patta saw when he returned home late that night upon the completion of the ardhajamam poojai at the sivan temple was his erstwhile beloved younger brother sprawled upon the tinnai tirumalai tirumalai he called out tirumalai voice practically ringing with fury alvar kadian moved not a muscle feigning deep sleep the butter gave him up as a lost cause stalked into his home and banged the door shut in a way calculated to rouse the street padar his raised voice within reached even tirumalai sunk as the butter was in some sort of discussion it seemed to have developed into a verbal altercation the subject of which tirumalai guessed was himself the next morning found isana siva butter accosting his errant brother once more when will you begin gallivanting about the country again once your anger has died down anna do not call me that you i am no longer your elder brother and you certainly have no claim upon me as my thambi you blaspheming scoundrel neechan sandalan pray why do you curse him so butter's wife hurried up quickly to speak up for her brother in law what has he done now that he has not done before it is you who have turned into a shiva fanatic quiet if you knew what he spoke in the great queen's presence yesterday why does this paramashivan a mad ascetic dancing among skulls and ash in a cemetery need temples he asks it was as though someone had poured boiling hot lead into my ears and i heard that her majesty did not sleep a wink last night the poor lady tirumalai will not repeat such a thing in the future indeed i shall make sure he learns from his mistakes and why would he not as long as we instruct him the right way right and wrong ways my foot what he must do right away is to journey to rameswaram and beg the pardon of the divine shivaperuman worshiped by rama himself to wash away his sins that and only that will be the means of his redemption and until he does i shall certainly never set eyes on this heinous creature's face finished isana shiva butter in a magnificent display of temper tirumalai's lips twitched with the overwhelming impulse to return every one of his brother's taunts with interest of course but now was not the time should he speak a word out of turn all his painstaking effort would have gone to waste of course why would he not butted in the butter's wife once again he will be certain to obey any command of yours come to think of it would it not be an excellent plan to accompany him so many years and not a child of our own doubtless we have committed a great sin that must be remedied with worship tirumalai she turned to her brother in law why do we not all journey to rameshwaram isana sivabatta glared at them both and stalked away sometime later he confronted tirumalai again but this time in a somewhat tranquil frame of mind our elders do say kobam paabam sandalam anger leads to nothing but destruction and i am afraid i have given way to wrath he admitted 
You have not taken my hasty words to heart, I hope. N not at all. In that case, stay here. I shall return once I have completed midday worship. There are a few important matters I wish to discuss with you, and upon which I require your opinion. You will stay here, won't you? I have no intention of leaving you, now or ever, Anna. The butler departed satisfied. So that's how it is to be, is it? Alvar Kadian mumbled to himself a few times and then left abruptly. He made his way around the Vadamaitrali temple and its caves twice or thrice, making sure to conceal himself at the slightest hint of sound. His wait was not in vain. Within a few moments, one of the gates of the Jain caves creaked open, and Isanasevabattar peered out. He stared keenly in all three directions before stepping out gingerly. Someone else followed him outside. Ah, now who might this be? By the look of him, it certainly seemed to be the one who had earlier donned Kamsan's costume. But who was he? Ha! So this was the reason for the butter's elaborate deception, his taunts and convoluted temper tantrums. Well, well, well. The men from the murai began to walk swiftly. Alvar Kadyan was careful to keep his distance out of their eyesight as he dogged their steps. They walked for a while before reaching a key. The one upon the artificial lake that edged the royal residences, choppy with waves, almost like an ocean. But this one happened to be situated in the west, at a great distance from the palaces. The banks boasted a luxurious growth of thick trees. Alvar Kadian slunk behind one and peered out from between two branches. A boat bobbed upon the choppy surface. It looked upon inspection like a royal craft. A boatman waited upon the shore. The moment he spied the butter and his companions, he dragged the boat closer in readiness for them, apparently. The men promptly climbed in. Once the little craft began to float away, the butter's companion turned towards the shore. For an instant, his face was clearly visible, and Alvar Kadian recognized him at once. Not that the revelation came as a surprise. He had arrived at an accurate conclusion as to the man's identity by now. It was, in fact, none other than the valiant young man he had met in Miranarayanapuram and on the banks of the river Kollidam. Arvar Kadian had no doubt, moreover, that Kamsan had been the very same warrior as well. All that remained now was to discern the secret assignation of the two men. Or, as Alvar Kadian swiftly amended himself, to confirm that his suppositions regarding their destination was correct, of course. Among the many palatial residences that lined the Royal Avenue nearly piercing the skies, one in particular, at the very end, lay silent and empty. Once the honourable seat of Sundarachodar's chief minister, Aniruddha Brahmarayar, the palace was now under lock and key. The venerable minister was on one of his many state visits to Madurai, the Pandya capital, providing much-needed restoration to ruined royal administration. His family currently resided in Tanjai, which meant that none remained in Padayari. It was here that Alvar Kadian finally made his way. The palace guards at the entrance bowed in deference at his arrival and opened the doors wide at his command. 
Once within, they closed and locked the doors from the outside as per his instructions. Alvar Kadian crossed all three cutters or sections of the rambling residence and reached the gardens, where he swiftly routed out a slender track, cutting across the luxurious bushes and many creepers that twined around each other, glorying in the lack of a gardener. He walked steadily along the narrow path until he reached Kundavai's royal gardens, where he located a cunningly placed alcove and hid himself swiftly. Judging by what followed, not a single one of his painstaking efforts were in vain. For something did happen. A dramatic event worthy of the poetic skills and elegant verses of masterful bards such as Mahakavi Kalidasa himself and many such others. The boat crept along the waters, edging towards the shore. When it stopped, Isana Sivapattar and Vandya Tevan climbed out and began up the steps leading to the gardens. At a little distance from the stairs waited Ilaya Pirati Kundavai Devi, majestic upon a marble seat placed most artistically in her garden. The travellers ascended steadily from the shores. Princess Kundavai rose the moment they reached the last stair. It was then that Vandya Devan raised his head and caught a glimpse of the gracious young lady. He stopped short and stood still, transfixed at the vision in front of him. A slender vine crept up just then, its delicate tendrils reaching between the young man and Kundavai as though seeking to obstruct their view. A beautiful butterfly, its dazzling fragile wings fluttering in the sunlight, alighted gently upon it. Kundavai bent her radiant golden countenance a little, gazing at the butterfly entranced. Vandya Tevan on the other hand drank in her delicate blooming beauty. Unable to even blink, the lake churned with restless foaming waves. Birds in the heavens seized their restless twitters. Time and space, it seemed, stood still. And aeons passed. <laughs>